Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football season is right around the corner, and Bet Online has you covered with all of the college and pro odds, contests, parlays, and wagers. Use our promo code BLEAVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hello? What's up, pal? How are you? I'm doing very good. How are you, Razor? Hot, dude. It's freaking hot in North Carolina, man. Ooh. It's hot? Oh, yeah. In the upper 80s, low 90s. It's that no joke here. It's still summer. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, we, right, we have at least a little bit of a cooler week here because it's very dry where I am, so it's usually in the 90s and such. But this week, it's in the high 80s, which is a nice okay. little change for us. Yeah, that is. That is. Well, a little jealous, and uh, we are just about six weeks away from uh, some of the best weather in this in this country. So I'm pretty pumped about October weather, and more importantly, October football. Well, let's talk about some of that football because uh, this this exact day last year, or at least the exact week of last year, we uh, were kind of doing the exact same podcast. We were kicking off the college football season a week before NFL starts, and the the topic of the day is Nebraska having another embarrassing loss uh first to Illinois this to Northwestern who even though the the Big 10 West is a not very good division North uh Northwestern and Illinois are consistently at the bottom of that division and uh looks like Nebraska is on the road to a either a fourth or fifth straight missed bowl game for the Cornhuskers yeah, I mean, the disappointment of Scott Frost is it's at the highest level right now. I mean, you had to be a little bit excited for this season. The first game of the year in Ireland, they really packed that house there, Kyle. They did a good job. And Nebraska fans, the Big Red, they they travel really well. But that's a big ask to um, leave the uh, western part of the country and go across the pond. And they did it. It was probably 96% Nebraska, 4% Northwestern fans. And yet another crushing defeat. I mean, this is a team that just they can't tackle. They can't protect their quarterback. I just don't understand, you know, why they are not identifying these offensive defensive linemen that they used to have in years past. Some of the big boys that would just feast on Omaha steaks and some big and some corn on the side. And it's just not there. This is a bad team. This is a team that you really should not be betting on and feel good about. Of course, they're going to sneak out some some random wins. Nebraska is going to beat a team like Penn State once every three years as a 13-point underdog. But to feel good about betting them consistent is something that uh, you really shouldn't feel good about. Yeah, all of these four-win or five-win teams in college football, if you're in a power conference, they sneak out a victory or two every three years when it comes to like 
Nebraska beats Michigan or Nebraska beats Wisconsin or whatever it's going to end up being. And that might be the only way to save Scott Frost's job, even though last year, I, I can't believe how Nebraska and Scott Frost were both like, well, we can't do better than you. You can't do better than us. So how about we just agree to a pay cut and stay together for another year? Well, these coaches are paid so much money that, you know, when you start releasing them, you know, you have a massive bill to pay as, as an institution. So they may be right. I mean, yeah, there's probably better coaches out there than Scott Frost. But, you know, is there a better person that can sell the University of Nebraska more so than, than Frost with his lineage there? I, I question that. I don't know. Um, and he has such such success down in Orlando, which is not a terribly easy place to win. But that, those are some good UCF teams you know, winning some of those BCS games. I think they won the Peach Bowl one year, and I think they lost uh, maybe to LSU in the Fiesta Bowl one year. So this, these are really good teams that that he had put together in Orlando. It's just not translating in the Big Ten. And what's interesting about that is the model that Scott Frost used in Orlando at UCF, which was we're going to get a bunch of three star and three and a half star guys, and they'll develop into NFL caliber players. That was the exact model that at least is replicable in Nebraska. It was it was doable to to do what you did at UCF, maybe not win 23 straight games, but like to do what he did at UCF, it was possible to make that happen at Nebraska. And it just has not gone that way over. I guess it's either four or five years now. I think this is the fifth year of Scott Frost. And it's just every, every year in week zero, we just laugh at their ineptitude. Yeah, and I think as I look back here, and shame on me, you know, you fooled me once, and you know, it's it's my fault, you know, fool me twice. It's like whatever the saying is, but you know, why not? Why did I not play Northwestern plus twelve, whatever the closing line was? I I just stayed away, Kyle, and probably a stupid mistake by me because it's the same story. Seems like every year Nebraska goes into an opening game, a pretty decent opponent. Uh, last year Illinois, and this year Northwestern, land of Lincoln, two schools, uh, you know, from that area, and they. Uh, they got they got outworked. I mean, Northwestern just ran the ball down their throat second half. Scott Frost made an incredibly stupid decision. Um, up they were up eleven, Kyle, and mm-hmm. the onside kick just did them in. I, I think the morale was so low when Northwestern recovered the ball at the Northwestern forty-eight yard line that, and, and four plays later they scored, and I felt like that was the ball game. That, that was it. That was it for Scott Frost. That was it for the team. The team just, I think, felt like, okay, our coach is not very smart. You know, what what is he doing out there? And um, it's a shame because, again, Nebraska has tremendous history and such a passionate fan base. They are not getting what they deserve. So it is. Uh, it was a Big Ten opener in Ireland, and there's a lot of Big, Big Ten action this week uh, looking at the board you know illinois plays indiana and penn state plays purdue so uh exciting times coming up here on labor day weekend and of course the the game of the week between notre dame and ohio state which is going to be fantastic and uh before we move away from week zero you did mention something off air that i thought was interesting and it's weird that we're talking about this seriously but vanderbilt football they had a signature win for their program that just takes their sec on i guess now espn they take their ESPN checks and they put it right into baseball and don't really care about building a strong football team, at least compared to other SEC teams. Vanderbilt had a signature 38 point win traveling to Hawaii for a week. 
Yeah, it's it was a it was a really good win for Vanderbilt. I think that it's not a, a program changing win. They're still going to be really bad in in conference play, but uh, what it shows as a better, you, you really have to read between the lines here and, and ask yourself: Does Hawaii have the horses to keep up with any SEC team, whether it's a neutral field, home field, or away? And the the question, the answer to that question is it's no. I mean, they really don't. I mean, Hawaii is not the same Hawaii team with the you know, Cole Brennan, Colt Brennan, Timmy Chang days from 15 years ago. Uh, things have really changed out there on the island. Th- these are not very good teams. And, you know, if if you look at the point spread and you ask yourself, I'm under double digits uh, for an SEC team versus Hawaii, um, it, hindsight 2020, but man, that's a no-brainer to pound Vanderbilt. Y- again, don't be on the Vanderbilt train quite yet. I mean, they can go play at Missouri and lose by 14 as a, as a six point underdog. So, uh, but you got to read the lines and it's a good, it's a good opportunity to use that model week zero and say, okay, well, let's take a look at what's going to happen week one based on that type of theory. So, you know, you can look at some of those games coming up here in, in five or six days and make that same decision. All right. So back to week one of college football. Now you mentioned, Penn State Purdue is going to be interesting. I'm fascinated by Notre Dame Ohio State even if I think Ohio State's a two touchdown favorite, if not a two touchdown favorite, pretty close to that. They're playing in Columbus, I believe. Um are you looking at any games that you're interested in betting on this week? Well, I haven't put together any money line parlays quite yet, Kyle. I think the Urban Meyer Bowl to me is the most intriguing game, which is uh, the two schools that he coached, um, in, you know, college football in back in the day at Utah and Florida. I mean, that is a very bizarre matchup between uh, Utah traveling from Salt Lake City to Gainesville. Unless that's a neutral, I could be wrong. I'm not sure if that's a neutral. You, you may, you may, you may be uh, able to look that up for me, but. Um, Utah is a field goal favorite against Florida. It says Florida as the bottom team. That could that's uh, it could mm-hmm. indicate Gainesville or neutral. Um, it is Utah's, played at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in Gainesville, okay. Florida. That is in Gainesville, and, and Utah is 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 a really good team. I mean, what they did at the end of the season last year, um, decimating the Oregon Ducks in Vegas, and really dominating Ohio State for two and a half quarters at the Rose Bowl losing not too much that's the that's the key here and florida is one of those teams where i think they'll get a really good win somehow this year just because it's you know florida talent but overall this is a very average sec team i kind of like utah right now sitting here at minus 145 minus 150 and that that could be a big unit play it's a fascinating game to me kyle there's they're the Ohio State Notre Dame game, you know, it's it's interesting. Notre Dame is a huge underdog on the road, but yet their top ten team preseason. Ohio State probably brings back a ton of players from last year's team that won the Rose Bowl, finished maybe ranked five, six, or seven in the country. Um, it's just a really amazing Midwestern rivalry that really hasn't transpired very often. I think they played a couple times in BCS games like the Fiesta Bowl. Um, so not too intrigued by that game. There are a couple games that really intrigue me. I think one game that, you know, being a homer, the NC State East Carolina game, East Carolina is a really tough place to win in Greenville, um, especially when the team is decent. And ECU is a decent team for their conference. NC State coming in as a 
uh, preseason darling uh, with a lot of different publications and sources on social media, ranked preseason number 13. So the Wolfpack go, go into Greenville, hostile environment. I mean, I can't explain to you how rowdy those guys get down there in Pirate Country. It will be a really tough test for NC State. But more importantly is can they cover that 10-11 number? Um, and I think it's going to be tight. So that game to me is super intriguing. Uh, Arizona versus your San Diego State Aztecs. You know, Arizona has been bad for so long, but, you know, maybe it's finally time that this team can turn a corner. But it's a Pac-12 team traveling to San Diego. Is the fan base going to be bigger for Arizona or San Diego State? That game is interesting to me. San Diego State just about an under a touchdown uh, favorite there. I kind of like San Diego State on the money lines. They just don't trust Arizona. I don't think they're there yet. And I think the 330 showdown that has marquee names, but the personnel is just not there for Oregon. Oregon versus Georgia. Georgia, a huge favorite in this game. Um, I, it's a stay away game for me. You know, I hate these these 17 point spreads where Oregon is just getting dominated all game long, down by 23. And then the garbage touchdown transpires somehow, whether it's a punt return or the backup quarterback for Georgia gets sacked, fumble. But um, it's a shame that Oregon's just not there because when this schedule was made probably, what, five years ago, uh, Oregon was top five in the country perhaps, and Georgia was right there as well. But uh, Georgia's just a lot of talent, too much talent from last year coming back. So um, it's a marquee game, but shouldn't be too much intrigue. Kind of reminds me of that Miami-Alabama game. Maybe that was last year in the Georgia Dome where you had the marquee names, but the personnel was just way off balance so those are some of the the games coming up and then the late night I, I think the the you know the Boise State at Oregon State game I love the Mountain West first Pac-12 that's an intriguing game up in Corvallis where uh, Boise State comes in as a very marginal underdog I think I think fans should be really excited about that and then we go into Labor Day as we get closer to Labor Day on Sunday night two teams that are trying to figure things out the Florida State Seminoles and LSU, and that game I think is a neutral. I would imagine that game is at the Superdome. LSU, a a small favorite there. I don't know how you handicap that game. These two teams were really derailed last year at the end of the season. So you know, let's 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 read the room, Kyle. Let's bet live maybe at times. Let's not go heavy units on week one because I think I've told this to you on on your podcast several times. If you're betting heavy before Halloween in college football, I think you're doing yourself a disservice and getting yourself in a little bit of trouble. So there's a couple of interesting things you brought up there, and you were right about LSU and Florida State. It is indeed at the Superdome, so it's a unofficial home game for LSU, who's projected to finish seventh out of seven in the in the SEC West this year. Um, what's interesting about Oregon and Georgia is that Oregon has a brand new coach a roster that's heavy in transfer portal guys and they're like 16 point underdogs against Georgia just because Georgia, Ohio state and Alabama will be 16 point favorites against anyone in college football at this point. And Oregon's going to be interesting because they're in that like 10 to 16 group. They have a new coach. They have Bo Nix at quarterback and they're going to lose but like you said, with the Miami and Alabama game or like whenever Michigan State plays Ohio State, it's more of like a measuring stick game for your program than it is actually pulling off an upset. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe something wacky will happen and Oregon is tied in the fourth quarter or having a lead in the fourth quarter or something like that. But it, it'll be fun just for a measuring stick game. And I feel like Notre Dame's in that same place, too, where Notre Dame's playing their first game post Brian Kelly, new roster, 
they're probably going to finish somewhere in that like seven to 15 range at the end of the season. And they're going to get smoked by Ohio state because Ohio state might be the best team in college football. And that's okay. It's just interesting to watch them play in the first place. Those two games are super interesting. I feel like, and you know, Oregon or sorry, Utah and Florida is one that's like almost a money line game, even though Florida has a new coach, new team, they kind of Florida went through the, Hey, we're going to suck a year and then bring in all these players with the new coach. They already did that last year. So they'll at least be competitive. That one's the one where it's like, hey, you don't exactly know what the result is going to be. But as we know with college football, sometimes the result isn't the most important thing. Sometimes it's a foregone conclusion that Ohio State is going to win. How they win sometimes is more interesting than the actual final result. Yeah, and there there are a couple more games I'd like to touch upon, Kyle, that are really, really fascinating to me. And two of them are on Thursday night. And let's start with the backyard brawl that was. You were probably maybe uh, in elementary school or younger when Pittsburgh and West Virginia really went at it in the Big East. These are two schools that are not separated by many miles. Uh, When you go to Morgantown, West Virginia, Kyle, um, you should be flying into Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to save a lot of money. Obviously, those those small town uh, uh, airports are very expensive. So most people fly into Pittsburgh. And I think you have yourself maybe just about an under of an hour drive. And this used to be a very heated Big East robbery between now the Big 12 and the ACC, which is <laughs> it's disturbing. It is what it is, but it is disturbing you know, to see these two teams and those two conferences. Um, Pittsburgh, a touchdown favorite. Don't know what to expect there. I just don't see how you can feel really good about laying minus 350 on Pittsburgh or laying seven and a half or even taking West Virginia. I mean, I think, again, my recommendation for that game is see what you can see as the game progresses live and, and get and get a read for it. But very excited for that game, despite me having two fantasy drafts on Thursday night. Hopefully I'll be able to keep track of everything. <laughs> uh, followed by that, you know, probably on the Big Ten Network is Penn State at Purdue. Um, you know, I would say Purdue showed signs of life last year. They've been pretty, pretty weak over time. But that win in the Music City Bowl against Tennessee showed that Purdue has weapons, and um, they're, they're gonna they're gonna have a home game against Penn State, who at times looked pretty good last year. You know, they looked slow at times, especially you know when they were battling in against against the, the speedier teams, but. That's a great intriguing game as well, Penn State at Purdue. But here's the big one that no one's probably going to talk about unless you live in the Tar Heel State or maybe in the mountains of Virginia or Tennessee. Uh, UNC is a pick 'em. Okay, there's no point spread when they travel to Boone, North Carolina, to play Appalachian State. Now, Kyle, Appalachian State never gets NC State or UNC to travel to Boone. It's just I don't think it's ever happened. I don't think I know it hasn't happened in my 22 uh, years of existence here in this area of Raleigh Durham Chapel Hill. Well, that game is being played at, at at Boone in excuse me at Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina. There's no point spread. The handicappers have this as a pick'em. That to me is a game that's must-watch TV. Um, that will be a really unique game, and I hope that. Maybe the ACC network has that. It's something that you'd have to look up. But people that are listening to your podcast that tune in tomorrow or Wednesday um, really do a good job of of watching that game because that fan base is so hungry for NC State and or UNC to come to Boone. And it's finally happening this Saturday. Looks like that game is on ESPNU if you want to watch. Yeah, that's great. 
That's great. Yeah. Yep. If you want to watch North Carolina App State, which I'm with you on that. Like I, I would bet that App State has never played a, a game at home against North Carolina or NC State or Duke or any of those teams just because App State's only been D1 for like 10 years and I think like three of their former coaches are now at power five programs like that. What app state has done over my lifetime has been one of the most incredible transformations in the history of college football, where they go from being a, a mid, a a middle of the road D two school to a top 25 team almost every single year. And a program that just keeps turning out top level college coaches you know you can change the entire coaching staff you can change the entire athletic director and app state just keeps winning and i think that story is super cool and if they beat north carolina and i assume they'll probably storm the field it'll be weird but it'll be one of the biggest wins in the history of app state football just as like validation for whatever the last 15 years has been where they've basically built a college football contender that wins 10, 11 games every single year. I think they can Kyle. I mean, they don't have the Carolina depth, but I think they have the matching talent personality 11 on 11, right? Their, their starters are probably just as good as Carolina. Carolina is somewhat rebuilding. Um, This should be a down year for Carolina. I project them to, you know, as far as the Coastal go, I know that's your favorite division, the Aces Coastal. Uh, <laughs> Coastal's going out with a bang this year. It's like Miami and six terrible teams. It's bad, yeah. I mean, this is Miami's chance. Like, if Miami doesn't win the Coastal, they they just need to shut it down. You know, I mean, that, that they are – this is such a bad division where the Atlantic is pretty tough with Clemson. And dare, dare I say wake forest is is still really good. Um, And I know you're not going to say your NC state Wolfpack, who might be the second best team in the conference this year. Yeah. And you know, I I have more confidence in them because of, of their experience. So, you know, they bring back basically everybody. Okay. And that's, that's a rare thing to have, but when you got to bring back a lot of guys, but you also have to have a QB one that is really good. And and the Wolfpack, they may have the best quarterback in the conference. So um, Leary's experienced; he showed the numbers don't lie. Um, the the experts, you know, watching the the film from last year, listening to some of these experts on ACC Network and, and other social media outlets. They feel really good about about the Wolfpack's chances. Now, the Wolfpack are probably one major injury away from being the number five team in the Atlantic Division, um, but they're also on a, a steady course to potentially uh, beat Wake Forest in Raleigh, and then the opportunity to win at Clemson. This would be back to back years in South Carolina would be very difficult. But you know, Clemson's not that scary bully like they were over the last three or four years, just because they're QB one. Uh, is simply not that good. And I think I think when you don't have that superstar QB1, you're beatable. And that's what we saw last year when NC State took care of business in Raleigh. So um, I hate to say this, but I am I have hope. And uh, when I say I have hope, that's trouble, you know, as a, as a, as a fan of any team. So um, we'll see. It's a great game to start off with at ECU. Good test for the Wolfpack. Yeah, you got a lot of North Carolina football on the schedule this weekend as like the second tier group of teams. Like obviously you mentioned the San Diego State and Boise State and obviously the four big ones. But North Carolina's got fun games this weekend. And before that, you've also got Pitt, West Virginia, which people tell me is going to be a fun game. And 
Penn State and Purdue, which I, I know you were uh, you were joking about Purdue being uh, Purdue being a team that has had successes in the past few years, even if they don't have like a great season to show for it. Purdue's seasons are defined by that one team that they can spoil their entire season for. Like last year, they beat Iowa when they were ranked number two. They've beaten Ohio State a couple times in the last five years. Purdue gets to be chaos team that that will be defined by one victory during the season. But also, they just can't compete with Wisconsin because Wisconsin has so many resources that Purdue doesn't. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that Purdue. I think the most impressive thing I saw out of um, Purdue was the win, the bowl win over Tennessee. That was the most exciting bowl game of the year as well. Matching Tennessee with points, matching them with athleticism. Never would have thought Purdue can match athleticism with an SEC team, even though Tennessee is not that great. But they still have tremendous athletes. So Purdue, Penn State, should you be investing a lot of money in that game pre-flop? Probably not, unless you have some inside tips of that one of the teams has something going wrong, someone's hurt. But uh, other than that, just just watch the game, see what trans, see what unfolds, see what transpires, and um, you know, just just stay the course. It's going to be a long season. Mm-hmm. And and there are two games also that I will mention here, in addition to those that I find interesting, which is um, Houston at UTSA. If you're really interested in in Conference USA slash Big Twelve adjacent football, that one will be fun. If you're looking for like a second game on the TV during Oregon, Georgia, and Arizona, San Diego State, you can scoreboard watch Houston and UTSA, and also. USC is going to play football for the first time. And USC is basically just copy pasting roster from Oklahoma this year. So it'll be interesting to see that because there hasn't really been an experiment quite like what USC is doing. So USC plays rice. They're going to beat rice, but it'll just be interesting to watch USC play football for the first time, given that they've been the most unique college football team over this offseason. Yeah, and that's why you have point spreads, and that's why you have betting, because we all know that Southern Cal is going to have the talent to defeat Rice, but five touchdowns, Kyle, makes it fun to maybe take Rice, you know, take him as an underdog, have fun watching the game, and see what this new experiment is like down in Watts, California. I'm very intrigued to see if um, if the success is going to be there for USC, because the Pac-12 South, outside of Utah, uh, is just not that intriguing to me. There's really no one that stands out. The Bruins, the uh, and both Arizona teams are they're just not there, you know, in, in my opinion. So I'd like to see USC emerge. I think college football needs Texas USC and Miami somewhat back in the fold, and I think college football needs to see Alabama and Georgia and Clemson just and even Ohio State just kind of, you know, not be so dominant. Let's have a little parody. Let's have a team like a USC back in the final four, like or a Tennessee or a Texas. And then maybe that that random North Carolina State team some, somehow goes undefeated and makes it interesting. We saw that with Cincinnati last year. Didn't think Cincinnati was good enough to be there and they showed that against Alabama, but um we need some of these these teams to emerge back and and make it interesting and it will start, uh, you know, against Rice, who probably has a better math program. But you know, thirty-three and a half points should be should be a tough bet there to take Southern you know, Cal with, with all their new system. 
What's incredible about that? Well, one, I just like pointing out that Rice on the road at USC is somehow a better favorite than Georgia Tech at home against Clemson. I don't understand how that's physically possible, but Georgia Tech is a really, really bad football team that probably should be in the Sun Belt at this point. And also, um, the the part that's super interesting about college football is that, yes, there's always parity at the top. But if there's one thing college football is good at, it's giving programs the opportunity to rotate that fourth playoff spot. So like one year, it's Oklahoma. One year, it's Notre Dame. One year, it's Cincinnati. One year, it's Michigan State. They they do rotate. The, one year, it's Michigan. Like They rotate that last spot in the playoff pretty well in terms of who gets uh, some sort gets their one chance to lose by three touchdowns to Ohio State or Bama in the playoffs. And also, like you said, college football has is headed towards that space where like USC, Texas, Miami, they're starting to invest big money back into their programs. So maybe one of those teams will emerge and and get close to the playoff. I think the more likely scenario is Texas A&M, which doesn't have the same championship illustrious history as those other programs but texas a&m being great would be similar to like clemson making four national championships in six years it would be that level that like tier three level of team making it to the top of college football kind of like what clemson did for those six years kind of like what i call a lightning in the lightning in a bottle type of team clemson you you're you're exactly right if clemson could do it a lot of these teams can't when I was a student at NC State, Kyle, like 80 years ago, it seems like, but we're not going back that far. We're going back to the early 2000s when I was a college student. What was about in coaching at Clemson at that point? Yeah, he was. Yep, Tommy was. Tommy was the coach at Clemson, and there were, and then a couple other guys followed him. But it was primarily Tommy Bowden during the time frame I was in college, and it's a very average team. You know, a team that that would be lucky to play in the Peach Bowl, the Chick-fil-A Bowl back then, you know, and the Chick-fil-A Bowl wasn't a BCS Bowl, just a fun game on on New Year's Eve that um that, you know, decent teams made. And it was an ACC versus SEC game, probably like the number four or five ACC. Yeah, kind of like the equivalent of what the Outback Bowl is now. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you would have told me in 2001 that Clemson 17 years later would just be on top of the world. My first reaction would be like, why not us, meaning NC State? And then my second reaction would be like, nah, I don't think so. The resources aren't there in the upstate of South Carolina. Well, I mean, they have the resources. You know, they have they have found the right coach. They found uh, money from from the right donors, and the facilities are insane. And it's an arms race with facilities. I think if you look at facilities, um, it makes a huge impact. Like, you know, some of these teams that are finally getting into the arms race – that were behind over the last, you know, 12 or 13 years, they have catch up to do. And and the one great example is the University of Florida, where they finally have new facilities that have been very, very outdated. And if you look at what Florida has done over the last 10 years, um, the recruiting is not there. And it has to really has a lot to do with um with facilities. Now Florida has a world-class facility, Ohio State, Alabama, Texas uh, has had all those facilities for years. So it's an arms race, and Clemson was ahead of the arms race, and that's where they are. But I agree, um, Texas A&M can be there. They have the right coach. Plenty of money down there in Aggie World. And, um, you know, I wanted to bring up um, another game that I'm looking at the board right now, Kyle, and I'm pulling this up here. And a game that I think has a lot of intrigue to me is at 3.30 Eastern. 
uh, that coincides with Oregon, Georgia is Cincinnati um, without Desmond Ritter traveling to uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. You know, that I, I, I unless it's a neutral game, I, I don't, you know, there's so it many is, it's games. in Arkansas. Okay. It's in Arkansas. So yeah, that's interesting because both teams lose some very critical players um, on, uh, on, on the offensive side of the ball. And Arkansas is not a big favorite there under a touchdown, but do you trust Arkansas? Um, you know, to beat anybody by seven or more, that's respectable. Maybe, maybe they're kind of back, but um, that game has a lot of intrigue to me. Cincinnati, Arkansas, I missed that game earlier here on the podcast. So I, I would almost be more inclined to watch that 330 showdown more so than Oregon, Georgia. Yeah, Arkansas is in that weird place where they are. Well, actually, let me ask you this. Would you rather watch Cincinnati, Arkansas or Arizona, San Diego State? Probably um, Arkansas, Cincinnati, because I, I think that um, Arizona has been so bad for so long that I'll flip the TV and I'll see, you know, San Diego State playing extremely boring offense, running the ball down the field in Arizona, <laughs> Arizona not doing anything. It's like, yep, this is the same story, you know. Um, totally understandable. Yeah, San Diego, yeah, San, Diego State, they, yeah. <laughs> San Diego State's offense has been boring for my entire lifetime, but we had Rashad Penny and Donnell Pumphrey for a couple of years and that we could trick ourselves into thinking our offense was fun. But um, yeah, to, to your point about Cincy and Arkansas, Arkansas is in that weird place where like they could finish third in the SEC. They could finish seventh in the SEC. They're kind of in this random space right now where uh, they, they're, season will be determined by how they play against the Mississippis and how they play against Auburn, who by the time they play their coach might be fired at Auburn. And uh, I guess LSU even too, like that's probably what's going to define their games. And a top 25 non-conference matchup is still fun to watch because it'll help us start to get an idea of whatever Arkansas is going to be. Again, they're, you know, Arkansas's ideal world. They're playing in the citrus bowl or something like that this year. And worst case scenario, they're missing a bowl game like Arkansas is apt to do a lot of the time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this game has some intrigue to it. So let's uh, let's get on the couch and let's watch some football all afternoon uh, and evening on Saturday, man. I'm pumped. Absolutely. And you can get your first taste of the chaotic college football season, even if you aren't going to be betting a ton on the games. I'm sure you'll find something here and there like. Uh, your hit last week on Illinois beating Wyoming. Um, yeah, I'm sure you'll find something to bet on. But for the most part, you'll stay away from from college football until mid-October. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. It. I mean, there's no question about it. I'm going to bet it, but I'm not taking all my 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 units that I that I you know I save and put to the side every fall and say, okay, you know, here I'm, I have I have 200 units to work with, and each unit's worth you know every, everyone's different. You have some people bet ten dollar units. Some people bet a thousand dollar units. So here's my 200, 300 units. And it's probably 3%, 5% of units that you want to probably bet on um, this weekend coming up. I played a, I played a one unit bet, just one unit bet week zero, very small and it hit and it really paid me nothing, but I didn't even watch the game, Kyle. And that was uh, Illinois FAU Moneyline Parlay. Uh, not proud of it. It's kind of a degenerate move, but I felt like I, I was obligated to, to bet it um, and it worked out. But you know, just again, it's, it's very difficult. You're going to see some upsets. Um, you're going to see some garbage and I don't want to be a part of too much of it, especially these first week, week or two. So yeah, that'll be more fun to just watch it as a college football fan, kick back on sure. the couch and watch football. 
I agree. Yep. All righty. Well, thank you again, Razor. You can check out Razor's podcast. Also, there's a link in the description to this episode for that. It's called Razor's Red Zone. Uh, you can follow Beer Life Sports. They they have uh, subscription services with the Oracle for this season. I always like to mention that at the start of the year because everyone's getting back into football gambling. So uh, check all of that stuff out as well. And we will have Razor joining us periodically all throughout the college football and NFL seasons here this year and college basketball once that rolls around. But for the most part now, NFL and college football seasons. I'd love to do it. I can't wait to talk NFL with you. So let's get that going down the road. I'm going to be, by the way, can I plug the U.S. Open? It starts today, Kyle. I don't know if you know that. The uh, the final Grand Slam of the year for tennis. This is my and this is where most of my units are on today and obviously the whole week. And I'll be out there in New York next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. So very excited to attend the U.S. Open. And, and I fly home Wednesday night because my Buffalo Bills play the next day uh, in the Golden State of California, where you're where you're located. So really excited for next week, which includes uh, the U.S. Open for me and then the Buffalo Bills on Thursday night. You know what? We're going to have to talk about that then. We're going to have to talk about your live boots on the ground coverage for the U.S. Open. So we'll do it. We'll have you back again pretty soon. All right, Kyle. I really appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure to join your podcast. And yeah, I appreciate the plug at Beer Life on Twitter at Rosenthal Razor on Twitter. And the Oracle is our man. He's back. He's had a really good baseball run as well. So he's still going strong with baseball. I think daily picks are offered maybe just five times a week with baseball. But in the NFL and college football season, it's going to be every Saturday, Sunday, Monday for you guys. And hopefully you take advantage of the opportunities that you can find um, on Twitter uh, at the Beer Life handle.